The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to another episode of Spin the Rally Podcast. I'm Brenton Kelly. I'm here with Nate Tennis, David Evans, and Josie Rimmer. We've just returned from the third event of the ARA National Championship, Olympus Rally. Firstly, I think I should apologize to Brenton for my company, my bad jokes, the, the whole thing that you, you laughed at a lot of stuff that I'm sure you didn't understand what on earth I was talking about. So apologies for that. But I, I've got to say, you know, and it is all about me, this podcast, obviously. Uh, it's not really. Um, you know, Olympus Rally is something that I grew up aspiring to just go and see. You know, we, we drove past the Tacoma Dome and Brenton was like, why is he taking so many photos of it? I wasn't driving, I hastened to add. You were driving, but I was literally like, oh my God, it's a Tacoma Dome. And well, it's because it's the second largest all free span wood structure in, in North America, I'll have you know. Actually, it's because Yuha Kenken and, and Marco Allen were in there in 1986. But it's bizarre that, you know, I've loved this event from afar. And, you know, you'll understand. You know, we, we, we all understand because this sport is what we do. We live it and we breathe it. And for me, it was actually quite emotional to see that and to be in Shelton and in Olympia. In Olympia, it was emotional for different reasons. <laughs> but it was great. So Nate's pushing buttons. Um, it's turning off the heat. So it is quite warm in here, isn't it? Or is it just me? It's just you. It's, it's just your, me. It's your, pre- it's your company in the room. <laughs> I, I think it's time. We've heard enough nonsense from me. Josie, you were there. I was Tell there. Tell us about the rally. I mean, we, we did the recce, Brenton, and we were like, oh, these roads are amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. From a driver's perspective, what was it like? You were there. First real proper rally. Yeah, this was my first real rally. All I had done before this was Tour de Forest in September, which was anticlimactic. Um, you know, it started as, what, eight or nine stages, then they cut it to five, and then they cut it to four, and then they red, you know, red flagged before I hit the fourth stage. So um, this was the first real rally uh, that I've done. And, of course, the roads are amazing, but they're scary. <laughs> they're very intimidating. Um, the rate of degradation was incredible. Um and of course, you know, again, because I'm I'm a total a total rookie, a total beginner. Uh, we were starting way at the back of the pack, um, which meant that essentially our lines were decided for us. Um, and of course, you know, by the time we hit the the, the road, sixty five cars had driven on it before us. So um, there wasn't a lot of picking your own line. Um, but honestly, it just felt like survival mode for me this weekend. Yeah, I mean, um, I was just so happy to to get through it make it there and actually drive uh this is nate tennis driver of the <laughs> volvo 940 turbo by the way tell us a bit about your volvo <laughs> for continually this weekend i've annoyed brenton by saying it's the massive volvo but give us a bit of a tech spec on it uh she's 3200 pounds uh has is that a, a lot that's Remember a lot yeah it's uh 473 stones uh <laughs> <laughs> No, I have no idea. 
uh, or gherkins. Is that what you guys yeah, use? Yeah. Gherkins. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, no, it's a uh, 2.3 turbo, just basically a, a real mild build. Uh, not running a lot of boost. Not running a lot of anything. It's a four-speed dog box. She maxes out at 96 miles an hour or something like that. Uh, some reasonable suspension, but just basically something that you would build in Sweden uh, if you were nuts and had uh, that sort of thing laying around. Um, but uh, owner of the car uh, is a good friend. My aunt co-drove for him ages ago. I've known him for a very, very long time. Uh, and his son is interested in, in getting into the sport. And, and so... In 2018, we uh, pooled our resources and, and ran uh, just Western regional events um, and had a, a blast. So we uh, parted company after that, um, amicably, I should say, uh, and, and then uh, decided to, to make a try for it again last year. Um, and I, I got to admit, I kind of pushed it a little bit because that was last year was my 25th year of rallying. So um I didn't have an opportunity to uh, get my own pile of crap going, so uh, I leaned on Carl a little bit extra to, to try and get the car ready. I, I didn't know you could start rallying when you were two here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's called moisturizing, David. You should, you should try it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was very, very lucky um, that uh, both the Northwest uh, was a, a healthy rally community and, and had Olympus from, from way back in the day uh, and then had a, a good a group of people and a lot of good roads that, that I just sort of fell into it. Um, and in addition, my aunt and uncle both, both rallied and then the, the sob repair shop that my uncle worked at, a bunch of the guys rallied, so... My first car came from them, and uh, I've just been, uh, I was very, very lucky. That was my first job as a 16-year-old was sweeping the, sweeping the floor, so, uh, and helping them and my uncle uh, go race. So, yes, I was very lucky to be uh, thrown into uh, rallying very easily um, when it was inexpensive fish and, uh, and also um, achievable for an 18-year-old. <laughs> I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Uh, Nate, you're telling us you've been rallying now for 25 years. 26 now, actually. 26. This is 26th year, yeah. That's wild. Uh when did you make the transition to rear-wheel drive? Because I know you used to kind of do front-wheel drive mainly in the sobs in the beginning. What was that like, and when did that happen? Well, honestly, it happened at Dirtfish. Um, the BRZ program, when we brought in our rear-wheel drive program, uh, I didn't have a lot of rear-wheel drive experience. Um, I started with the sobs. I had all-wheel drive experience after that. 
Um, and I didn't really do a lot of loose surface rear wheel drive stuff. So I learned a ton as we were developing the curriculum for that. Uh, and, you know, really wanted to, to try it out. Um, and then I leaned on another friend for my 20th anniversary. Um, and that was to, to run Sean Medcroft's at the time, Volvo, that became Jack's. Now it's Sean Edwards. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she gets around, I think, that Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it, uh, he uh, let me borrow the car to run the doo-wop rally, and that was my 20th anniversary event. Um, and we did well with that, just a, a small uh, one-day uh, recce in the morning, run it in the afternoon. I think it was like six stages or something like that. Uh, very, very fun event. We ended up doing well. We won our class with it. And, and, uh, and then Carl called up and said, Hey, what do you think about doing this? And Alex is interested in doing it. And he doesn't have much experience with driving. So, um, we got an opportunity to do that and have had, uh, we had a great 2018 and we're just trying to relive those memories. I think that's awesome. Is Alex's goal to get into the driver's seat eventually? Is that kind of getting him up to speed, uh, doing some co-driving, getting him comfortable in the car? I think so, yeah. I think he'd like to. Um, and so, uh, you know, I was pretty green with pace notes when we first started, when he and I first started. So uh, right before last September when we ran Tour de Forest, I had him sit through one of the uh, co-driving programs that we had here with uh, the Oz Rally Pro uh, folks, Alex and Rianne and Gelsmino. Um, and they helped uh, kind of lay out a, a few things that I apparently was in, too impatient to explain to him in detail, but uh, gave him a good opportunity to really uh, understand the role of the co-driver um, and take a lot more off of my plate so that he could do stuff. <laughs> so 26 years now rallying. Uh, when did you start with notes then officially? Officially? <laughs> Uh, it, was, it I, I know it quite well. It was 2013 because we didn't know what we were doing and uh, we got distracted by a note that was incorrect and we rolled the car. <laughs> and uh, so that was the nameless rally in 2013. And uh, yeah, I think honestly, we ran that same corner that we rolled at this weekend, but coming from a different angle because I remembered it in recce. And then, and then I remembered having a similar situation where it's very easily, you, it's deceiving. There's a sec, second road and I came around the corner, not listening to my notes, I'm sure, uh, and looked at the offshoot road and then kind of just fell off in between so what, <laughs> in the median. Do you know what stage that was? This was on Coug. Meadow. Well, with all that being said, uh, you said did two pass recce on this race. Mm -hmm. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about the stages going into it, kind of seeing the roads. Uh, you've done these roads many times before. What were you thinking going in? Was it a bit rougher this year? Was it more washed out? Tell us a little bit about it. I mean, we always have some pretty uh, challenging roads up here in the Northwest. They're pretty uh, rough. They look very similar to what I've, uh, I've seen. Well, I've watched since I was a little guy for for everything in the GB. Yeah. Uh, and I even saw when I went to Scotland for the McRae Memorial stages, those those roads looked exactly like what we have, even like the scrub brush on the side. You know, it's crazy. We talked about the, the even the smell of the mud on the exhaust. It's the same. Yeah. It's completely the same. Yeah, and it's the so cool. It's certainly the same. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. 
Uh, that being said, these we've had a lot of weather here the past couple of years that have really uh, put a beating on a, on a lot of the roads. Um, and so a lot of the sections, especially on Wildcat, are regraded, rebuilt roads. And they're, they were rough, very, very rough. I was pretty concerned about uh, those roads in particular. Um, and then, you know, when we actually ran it, it was, I was surprised. So our first time out there, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised. And it, everything felt good. The car was running great. And, man, when I, I saw you guys at the end of the stage, it was like, uh, it was damn near emotional. Like, it was, it was so much fun to have gone through and just, completely enjoyed driving and felt like we did a really good job uh and everything clicked and it was just so much fun to just have the big push over the last like six months basically now four months since the car broke last at tour de forest that hard push since then uh to get everything it's been it hasn't been easy it's surprising like volvos are well from the sob camp you call them tractors Swedish tractors. So to not be able to keep a, a tractor cool in Northwest while it's raining seems a little ridiculous. Uh, but we were struggling to do that. And so we finally got it all together, put it back to stock. She ran great and uh, was just over the moon excited. That's awesome. I heard a few people mention this weekend, it's kind of like you have a constant intercooler sprayer going with this misty rain just nonstop. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting to see uh, a lot of the top cars actually had blockers in front of the radiators just to keep the cars from overcooling. Uh, some of the other cars didn't have that issue, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> We're good now. <laughs> I hope. For everyone at home uh, that doesn't know about Olympus Rally, can you tell us a little bit of the, about the nature of the roads? You know, I, I'm kind of familiar. These are logging roads. So tell us a little bit about that, uh, how they get packed down by semis and the width of the roads and how that changes a little bit. Yeah, I mean, growing up on it, these are the roads I didn't know any better, but apparently it's a pretty particular uh, road design. Uh, Northwest is the big industry that has been around for a couple hundred years is, is logging. Uh, we have a lot of trees that uh, are a lot of natural uh, tree farms, actually, on 20, 10 to 20 year cycles where they, they grow them. So the roads that we're running on are all uh, basically used to, to maintain that. Um, and the green diamond resource company, they own all of that property and, uh, and that's their, their forestry management. Um, so there's basically just heavy equipment running on them most of the time. And, uh, and so they're meant for a logging truck to drive down by itself. Uh, so it's fairly narrow. We get a lot of water. So there's a ton of drainage, uh, which means very, very, deep ditches uh and <laughs> and they're pretty straight if i'm honest so the speeds that are achievable are are pretty impressive our roads are very 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 fast with all that being said tell us how you got on i mean i know you uh were able to start the first couple of stages where not all cars were able to was it as rough as you expected uh, tell us about you know from the word go how was it well, uh, amazingly, uh, it sounds like the stage was canceled just after uh, we went through uh, the very first running of Nawatzel. Um So we got to the end of Cougar with no one behind us, and it, you start to f sort of feel guilty, like, what did we miss? What did we do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> or we're winning and we're beating everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I mean, we were very, very relieved to see that the, the roads were pretty, uh, 
they weren't as bad as I expected they were going to be. Um, and our, our notes worked pretty well. Um, so we were just having a, a blast, like honestly having so much fun. Um, we went the fastest we've ever gone in that car, uh, because it was running cool. It was, it was literally running well. It didn't have some of the drivability issues that it had before. Uh, so we felt like we were flying. The times didn't reflect that because we had, uh, a bit of an issue understanding the virtual, uh, virtual chicane. <laughs> um, turns out you only have to do 25 miles an hour once. <laughs> We did it for a whole extended period for just after the uh, the start of the Watzel. It looked like about so, 300 meters of virtual chicane. So you're telling me you drove through that whole 300 meters at 25 miles an hour? Yep. <laughs> okay. To be fair, though, me and David were very confused when we saw those new signs. Yeah. Like, that's something 100%. different. It's fairly recent yep. uh, to do the virtual chicane. So yep. I'd imagine a few other competitors probably did similar things trying to figure that out. Well, we, we had a 40-second improvement in the second running, so, <laughs> <laughs> so immediately we showed top speed. <laughs> That's great. So, Josie, tell us a little bit about uh, your experiences getting into this. Uh, I know, like you said, this is kind of your first official full rally. Uh, what were you feeling going into the first stage, and uh, how'd it go? Well, I'm sure I was feeling far less comfortable than 26 years of rallying Nate over there um, that have <laughs> that's driven these stages a million times. Um, yeah, you know, for, for me, you know, I'm not at the point yet where Nate is 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 speaking from. You know, he's at the point where he's maximizing his efficiency in the car, um, you know, reaching that top speed, even if it even if the big Volvo doesn't want to go faster than 96. Um, we're not. I'm not there. Michelle is there. I'm not there yet. Um, so for me, you know, I was an equestrian my whole life from the time I was eight years old until I was 21. I was riding six to seven days a week, most days twice a day. Um, so I was not a multi-sport person. I was one sport person all the time. Um, and so, uh, you know, starting that at eight, I haven't had to be new at a sport uh, until now. So it's a big, it's a big mental challenge. Um, and it's a lot of, you know, to be totally honest, uh, it can feel embarrassing sometimes, you know, to not to, to be going really slow, um, especially when I'm lucky enough to have dirt fish in my backyard. Um, but, you know, having Michelle in the, in the co-driver's seat for me was absolutely uh, priceless. Um, luckily, she told me about the virtual chicane, so I knew what to do. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Could you, could you, uh, could you send that memo on to uh, we'll uh, share. On Alex? That'd be great. We'll share that memo. Alex, in the virtual chicane. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, Michelle encouraged me from start to finish, whether it was the actual act of driving or whether, you know, it was 
four miles into, well, rather half a mile into Stillwater in the pitch black um, with it raining sideways and our defrost breaking, uh, you know, just encouraging the mental aspect of it and um, just getting through, you know, seeing the day as a test day and seeing the day as, as getting miles under my belt instead of getting caught up in the competitive aspect of it all. It's got to be great having Michelle kind of giving you his input. Do you find that she's kind of reeling you in at times or pushing you along more or a little bit of both? A little bit of both, but I would say most of the time I think she's pushing me on. Um, you know, I uh, it's been a tough year for, for Rally and, and for a lot of people that we love. And, um, you know, my, my own brother has had a very gnarly accident at Olympus himself, so I... Uh, I have a lot more caution, I think, in my approach than than some folks do. Um, well, I don't know about, I don't know, N- not worth comparing, but I, I certainly have a lot of caution. So um, Michelle, you know, the incredible benefit of having Michelle in the car is not only the fact that she's a, you know, a, a, a widely credited co-driver, you know, super successful co-driver, but she's also an instructor at Dirtfish every day. So um, you know, by the last few stages of, of the rally, when I could, you know, be processing the notes, I could be sort of listening to her without listening to her. Um, she was also able to help me on, you know, choosing my line, you know, stay in here, even if it wasn't in the notes, um, you know, helping me optimize my approach, which was, again, just, you know, instrumental for me uh, to get the whole picture. Cool. With that being said, let's listen to what Michelle had to say at the uh, event finish. Yeah, it was a bit of a rough start with the, you know, first two stages canceled. We got a run at Nawapsal, just kind of got warmed up a little bit, sorting out how this car feels. And then we broke the uh, rear end on um, uh, Cougar. Uh, Got out for the final passing of Stillwater, but it was so dark, so foggy, our defrost fan broke. So we... We kind of just brought it home on that one. So our, our rally really started today, to be completely honest. Uh, yeah, she did great. There's some super hard sections through Wildcat, and we just drove them and got through it, and then we were able to enjoy the rest of the stage. I think the icing on the cake was the last two stages, the final passing of Dayton and uh, the uh, Simpson Super Special. She really started to use the car on those. So she was trusting the car. She was trusting herself. Her confidence came way up. Uh, we had a blast. It was super fun, and um, she put down some good times. Interesting words from Michelle Miller there at the end of Olympus Rally. It was great to see about seven cars with Dirtfish involvement, a few more employees, because a couple of them did have two employees per car. David, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it, it was incredible. You know, I, I think it was the most people that we'd ever had competing. And, you know, we call this a local event. It's still sort of two hours south of here, but it is the biggest rally in the area from what i understand well it is uh and yeah it was amazing um obviously we've 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 talked about about josie and michelle it's amazing to have them there but you know we had romo uh our photographer who's amazing i just josie say it (laughs) nate say it roman roman he's he is the most amazingly lovely guy and he's 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 we French. We love him to bits. Um, <laughs> and he drives a wicked BMW E36. Let's hear what Roman had to say. We got started on the rally. We did two awesome stages. New co-driver gelled. And then uh, I was actually talking to Evans and I was hearing a noise and I was like, oh, that's not a good noise. Um, and I'm not actually 100% sure what it is. It's transmission, clutch, flywheel, something. Um, we Last night we tried quite a while to like find some parts to, to service the car and couldn't find it. 
Um, so that was that. And so we had a sister car basically, and today kind of helped crewing it and pushing them over the line. And so they, yeah, tons of fun. They ended up uh, second in class. So that was yeah, kind of silver lining to this weekend. So yeah. Tough break for Roman with the transmission there. Uh, it's nice he had a good time and still was able to get a good amount of stage miles in before he had those issues. Uh, it's cool to see a couple BMWs. If we throw back a couple years earlier than that E36, we can go back to Sean Edwards, who was in the 2002 BMW. I'm not sure the exact year. Nate, can you tell us a little bit about Sean's car? It's owned by senior instructor Mitch Williams. That's what I can tell you. <laughs> Do you know the year by any chance? I think it's a 76. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I did end up having to try to help him fix it at the one of the stage finishes, and I had never seen anything like that. I think you find it was me. I was, the most important part of fixing it was watching you try and fix it. I think the biggest thing is it's a community support vehicle. It bonds everyone around in the single, single goal of trying to make it run. It, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? We were this Obviously, it was Sean Edwards and, Ken, and Kendra Miller at second, or our joint first, all Dirtfish crew. We were waiting at the end of Wildcat. Yeah, the second running second of Wildcat. Second time through. Yeah. Uh, and we had probably half a mile uh, vision of the cars as they came across flying finish into the into the sort of the arrival control. And it came around the corner and we were like, he's here! <laughs> he stopped. <laughs> it was tough to see. It was nice that they were still able to make it across the finish boards and get the stage time. You know, Kendra kind of hopped out of the car and ran the time card up to get the time still because they were across the finish line there. Um, and then we kind of had to push it about a half mile uh, through the time control, which was a lot further and a lot heavier of a car than I expected. <laughs> it certainly was. It didn't feature on my plans for Sunday morning, no. pushing a BMW 2002. It would have been better if you hadn't just had a whole bag of donuts, David. <laughs> no, I think they gave me energy. I needed the sugar. I needed the sugar. But it's, let's, let's listen. I mean, Sean is a genius. Let's, let's cut to what Sean had to say. Loved the experience. Uh, eager to get back out here in OTR. Uh, we'll come a bit more sorted. What happened and how much, how far through the stage when he started to have this problem and you knew it was going to stop? Yeah, uh, you know, we finished the stage. Did we finish the stage? Not quite. Yeah, no, you oh, come through. Okay, count finish. it, count <laughs> it, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, I'm gutted, I'm bummed. So great to hear some words from Sean Edwards there about his first official rally experience, getting some stage miles in, but unfortunately having to retire mechanically. Jason Cochell, who is also a Dirtfish instructor here, was having an eventful rally on day two, was still holding second place in the regional, I believe, uh, just before he had, well, he did have a big spin, which I believe was on the first running of Wildcat or second running of Wildcat? Second. Second, second. Of Wildcat. Yeah, yeah, yeah because lost he lost the, the front bumper, bumper didn't yeah. he? Yeah, lost the bumper, still was able to get back on the road. I fortunately had the chance to look at the video of it this morning, so got to see it kind of coming through a right two and just got a little bit wide, and it was super slippery and Pretty close to just clipping a tree, but caught the bank and it slowed him, slowed him down enough and spun him all the way around. Watch that exclusively on Dirtfish's Olympus Review, which will be on YouTube later this week. Exclusive, that is, <laughs> apart from his own channel where he's probably going to post yeah. it. <laughs> so we should, well, let's listen to what Jason had to say. Yeah, it just came in a little wide on a left four down, Titans a three. Rear end went out of the traction zone and just kind of fell into a gully. Rode that gully for a little bit and then it just kind of plowed right into a dirt wall and that was... It was stopped, yeah. So waited there for an hour and 20, I guess, so they came and pulled me out. But they pulled me out, car started right back up. You must be gutted. You were really on pace and showing great speed for second. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's the sport. It's the 
10,000 corners you're out there trying to, you know, handle and you have one corner bad and this is the result. So, yeah, it's the sport. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm just happy the car's not more broken than it, than it is. So. so, Jason wasn't the only Dirtfish employee in a Subaru. You were in a Subaru, of course, Josie, but I'm sorry to say, yours wasn't the most interesting Subaru. The most interesting Subaru was the one with a Ferrari V8 engine in it. <laughs> Sam Albert's car was nuts. And broke yes that thing was very wild it was kind of the talk of the rally everyone in the paddock uh getting ready for the rally even at testing and shakedown you know you could hear that thing coming from like two three miles yeah. away even seminar brandon seminar was asking what was going on watching our clips wanting to know if he was coming back yeah it was we were fortunate enough to see him on shakedown so we got to see it a few times on stage uh and then unfortunately i had to film him on stage one losing that right rear tire it looks like the wheel bearing had kind of came completely apart um, and then he made it about half mile into the stage before he realized that he basically lost that entire corner. Mm. Tough break for him. Uh, they were able to find the parts and get it back on the road. I wanted to stop recording. Uh, it was the saddest zoom in I've ever done. And, uh, <laughs> in that clip, you could hear a, a few people laughing on stage and it was just brutal to hear that. But you know, it's, uh, great for the spectators to see some action like that. Uh, I know Sam had quite an experience trying to figure out some parts to get that thing back on the road in the same day. So let's kind of hear a little bit about Sam's experience and uh, how they were able to get the parts and get that thing back on the road uh, for that last stage of the night. In the kind of little tire warm-up zone, we were just kind of you know pitching the car sideways, getting things ready to go. Uh, started pulling up to the start and was feeling like the brakes were kind of stuck on. So I thought maybe it was just gravel stuck between the wheels and caliper. Uh, we launched and immediately felt something was not right, and then the car started just wagging sideways, um, right in a straightaway, and then we just felt the, the right rear just drop, and we were just dragging uh, on the suspension linkage, and we're here now, uh, just past turn one, <laughs> the very first corner of the rally, um, and this is definitely not what I thought we would be doing right now um if anything we thought it would be some sort of engine issue or whatever mm -hmm. to see this is a little heart-wrenching um i think we'll have time to be able to super rally tomorrow and and actually finish uh assuming we can find everything that we need and this is a subaru mecca so there's no shortage of spare parts and everything there is pretty stock and uh yeah so we'll just get on with it and, and try to get what stage miles we can so you know i mean it, it broke all of our hearts just like you said brenton to see sam walking away from hardly getting to, to drive any part of that first stage. Um, and, you know, Sam has been working so hard on this car for, I don't even know how long. It's been a dream in his mind for a significant portion of time. But, um, you know, we all joke that that car is, is a car for the people um, in, in terms of its entertainment value. And we were really lucky because we actually got a little preview of the Subarari. Uh, he brought it out to Dirtfish to test twice. Um, so we were really grateful to see it when it was running, and I, I can say that once you get to see it running in anger, it's it's a sight to behold. I think actually more than, than seeing it is hearing it. It is that the noise is pretty sensational. It yeah. just about had the edge on the Volvo, I think you said. Sorry. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, although sharp edges, no, the Volvo has lots of those. <laughs> uh, no, it's amazing to hear. I'm I'm so ridiculously proud of Sam for what he did. I mean, it's all uh, came from his crazy brain, and he taught himself so much to to shoehorn that thing in. I mean, he had lots of help from friends, of course, but but really that was his 
goal and his dream to to make that thing happen and and he did and it was just absolutely incredible and to hear it run is just unreal i can't wait for him to get it up and running and i think he's targeting oregon trail so um and that'll be perfect because those are long flat out roads and you'll hear that baby for miles you'll you'll hear i mean i know american geography is not great for me but i reckon you're probably going to hear it from Dirtfish headquarters here. You'll hear it in Oregon. And that apparently is quite a long way away. Um, yeah, so we are recording here at HQ, and it's the most amazing place. We're watching uh, students coming in from the first of a, of a th- first day of a three-day. Elite, absolutely elite. As I said earlier, I, I would feel quite comfortable in that class. Um, stop laughing, everybody. Uh, but one, one thing that you know, we have a lot of here is, is students who want to make the progression uh, from driving in the elite class uh, and into to where do they go next. And we saw Neil Dana, one of our amazing students who's been here quite a few days. I think he's done some eight days or something, an, an enormous number of days. He didn't know which way to go, what to do. Fortunately, he'd worked with Eric, um, one of our senior instructors seniors instructors yeah absolutely and it was an opportunity to rent a car rent a brz uh, and go and do it uh, and him and eric did and you know it was a big ask of eric as well uh, to sit in and co-drive it's one thing going around the boneyard here with somebody but it's quite another to take on you know a, one of the biggest rallies in america and as seminole said you know wildcat the most difficult stage in american rallying um eric did it Let's hear what Eric had to say. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Instructor Eric would come out every once in a while. If I knew he, I could tell he wasn't paying attention as well to the notes as I think he should have. Instructor Eric would come out and we'd kind of have that communication. But mostly he kind of stuck to his, his role and I said my notes and we were, worked as a good team for that. For you, what was, what's, been the, what's been the absolute highlight of the weekend? Uh, finishing, <laughs> finishing, let alone getting a podium. Like, that still surprises me because we had a 390-second penalty, I think, at one point uh, for an O control. But the highlight was just taking the Dirtfish student, getting them through, finishing the rally in itself, to me, is almost as good, if not better, than getting a podium, especially with these conditions. Brenton, just give us a bit of a roundup of, of the, the result, the conditions, uh, and your impressions on round three of this year's ARA. Yeah, it was great. Fortunately, we were able to be at the end of Wildcat's first running, and it sounded like everyone going into the first stage of Wildcat was super, super cautious. Um, even Pat got caught by Seahorn, I believe, on the first running of Wildcat. You know, it's a much slipperier stage than everyone anticipated, but it was interesting to see at the end of Wildcat, there was basically every single car had made it through. There was nobody stopped on stage where that was kind of everyone's stage they were a little bit nervous of. And then coming through the second running of Wildcat, I believe there was four or five cars changing tires at the finish, and even one car left their exhaust right at the finish boards there. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting to see as the roads wore, wore pretty badly. Um, 
I think it rained a lot overnight and it made Wildcat a lot slipperier than everyone anticipated that first running. A little more nervous, everyone built up to it, but that second running seemed like everyone was kind of comfortable in attacking. Uh, Nate, tell us a little bit about the road. Where is that typical for something in this area? I was su- surprised on the second pass. Uh, the second passes of the stages I did do, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they wore really fast. Um, Faster than normal, I would say. Uh, usually we have a pretty good base, and, and you'll see a lot of the, the loose stuff swept off, but uh, they wore deep ruts everywhere and then popped up huge boulders. You'd be <laughs> midway through a corner and have to change your angle entirely to avoid you know, uh, a football-sized, an American football-sized stone in the middle of the road. Uh, and it, it kept you on your toes for sure. Um, and then having to deal with the ruts, pop the car popping in and out of the ruts, uh, as well as trying to dodge boulders everywhere was was very very tricky. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say Wildcat in particular had a very unique circumstance where it had a big bunch of regrade material, and then some loose material on top of it. So it was very narrow. Um, a few years back, we had some some all of the roads wiped out in that area, so they rebuilt the roads. They're all very, very narrow, very rough with the big heavy material that was used and then had this layer of like slime on top of it that, um, so it was like worst case scenario, uh, in terms of traction consequences, everything. So it was, uh, you know what? I never want to not rally, but I wasn't too disappointed that the car broke and we (laughs) missed those stages if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, one of one of the sections, even before you got to those huge rocks, which were jarring, I mean, every time one hit the skid plate, I was like, that's it, we must have broken the car. You know, we must have broken something. But even before you got there, on, on the Wildcat stage, there was this, I don't know, three, four mile long section that was like clay. Um, and when you were driving on top of it, it felt like snow or ice. You know, you, you weren't gripping anything. You were just floating on top of that material. Um, that's what I found to be the toughest. Yeah, absolutely. And it, what was interesting is it, it got worse the the more we drove on it. Um, Recky kind of pounded into the ground and brought up even more mud. Um, and then the first pass made it very slippery. And, and by the, the final pass of, of seeing it, it was very treacherous. It was really interesting hearing some of the top drivers. I know Seminuk was changing out softs and mediums throughout the race, kind of always always keeping himself on his toes, trying to figure out how to get the road to feel and the car to feel a little bit more comfortable and grippy for him. But it kind of seemed like everyone was kind of struggling with feel this weekend. Like you said, just kind of that top layer of slime. Uh, I know Tom Williams said he switched out the rear diff overnight just to kind of see if that could get him a little bit more grip and kind of get his, uh, his I'm trying to figure out how to word this. He was, you know, he said his uh, time was about a second a mile slower than Seminook, uh, a second per K not second per mile. Typically uh-huh. I say per mile, but they use K. Yeah. So that was a little bit different, but, um, interesting to see that he was changing the diffs and, and doing lots of changes because very tricky conditions, you know, nobody felt comfortable this weekend. It was always slipping and sliding. Everyone was getting caught out, probably having a lot of moments out there. Yeah. And it's, it, in terms of tire choice, it's really tough because you, you want something that can, that can grip in that, that slime. So you're going to opt for a, a very soft compound tire, but at the same time, the roads are very abrasive with big, uh, hard, chunky, sharp material. So it's very easy to puncture if you use too soft of a tire and it's going to wear very fast. So um, 
you know, some of us with a limited tire budget were going for uh, trying to run like medium compounds on the first day to save our softs for um, for the next day, knowing that it was going to be extra slippery on that that final day. That's all very interesting, Nate. But I think we we all appreciate we have some heroes in the room. There were some heroes on the event. Yourself, Josie, everybody, everybody from Dirtfish was a hero. But we had one big hero, and that had to be Jack Harrison. Undoubtedly. We ran for the first time outside of WRC, our innovative, brilliant Dirtfish Live Center, which is a huge undertaking in the data-rich environment that is the World Rally Championship. I'm not saying ARA is not data-rich. It's just not consistently data-supplied, perhaps. Um, and, Jack, we, you are now beginning to comprehend the depth of the deep end that we lobbed you in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely. On, on Friday. Work <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Firstly, an unbelievable thank you to, to, oh. for, for what you did. Uh, it was massive, and... Just tell us, how was it? And please now don't say, it was appalling, I never want to do it again. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you saw the words right out of my mouth. Uh, no, uh, well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me be, uh, be a part of it. It was, uh, it was very exciting on, on my side of things, you know, jumping into something completely new like this. And like you mentioned, just the, the amount of data and content and information that's coming through throughout the entirety of the event is uh, it's a little overwhelming at first. But once we started to get in the flow of putting out the content, it was... Uh, um, I, I, it's sort of like feeling like you're in the matrix where you start just seeing numbers and then once you start like getting used to like oh this is where uh, this is an interview here people moving around on the back end of things it's uh, smoothed out quite a lot but it, it was an amazing experience just seeing the, the entire rally operate almost from the top view as opposed to being in it in the moment when you're on stage there's uh, you, you're very much focused on your rally um, without understanding why are we waiting here or like why why what, what uh, what's happening on the grander scheme of things so it was quite exciting seeing that i know jack you've done a couple rallies before mm -hmm. was that your first time being in a trailer seeing the official inner workings of a rally as it was it yeah. what you expected or was it much different being inside the trailer there uh in the best possible way it was kind of what i expected so uh you know being at the events there's the you're following your bulletins, you're following your subs, you, you hear penalties are going out. Um, hanging out at Rally HQ and being able to hear all the communique that's going on, um, even just stages starting to go live or hearing um, like triple zero or double zero cars are leaving as cars are also in transit. Um, there's so much communication happening at all periods in time. Um, even when competitors are down, we have a long service or something. That's usually when we're you know, trying to fix the car or stuff our face full of sandwiches or something and they've never stopped. They're continuously operating throughout all of it. It was uh, really makes you appreciate the sort of logistical nightmare that running a rally can really be. Yeah, it had to be tough. I mean, I think there was almost 80 cars starting this rally. Mm -hmm. So you got to think on some of these longer stages, there's what, 10, 15 cars on some oh. stages at the same time? Easily. I think it was Wildcat. Was, I think it was almost 15 that were running concurrently. And so you're hearing when they're passing checkpoints, you're hearing when they're sending a car, you're hearing when a car is off. And then with the rally safe system that they've got as well, people are hitting their okay signs. You can hear someone's off, we're checking the maps and seeing that the car is off and then we're immediately getting an okay afterwards. And then even uh, you know, to the other side of things, when there's an accident, rally safe goes off right away and you can see everybody at hq just suddenly stop and sort of analyzing where are they off where are they at uh, they're 8k into the stage 
then we hear that there's an okay pressed afterwards and you can feel the whole room just sort of decompress a little bit yeah um, definitely the rally safe seems like it's been kind of revolutionary i mean i kind of tested a little bit out in uh 2014 2015 when they were sampling it here and uh, i think we only ran like the top 10 cars with it and it was a little bit different everyone getting used to it seeing the push to pass and that kind of stuff but right. as in, in terms of safety it's amazing how quick like you say you know they see that impact on the computer and it's almost instant they know right away the co-driver can hit if they're okay continue the stage and make sure everything's flowing and smooth and it uh probably helps out a bit with the organization and timing as well right it, it's uh it really helpful on the logistical side of things um and i'll tell you what for for my job this weekend it's been fantastic having the rally safe as being a part of the dirtfish live center um for example the the off that tom williams had at the end of it we get the ping that there's been an off we we know how many g's he's been and whether he's hit the okay sign right away and we're already out there putting the information out that something has happened on the stage before you know even the, the people at the start line have figured out that there's even been an off you know um, it's a, a remarkable piece of technology for the logistical side of things yeah with the dirtfish live center you know us kind of relaying that information it's nice getting it up right away normally you'd have to wait you know look in your facebook feed or your instagram feed and <laughs> keep updating updating you know looking at people's stories to see what's going on you know it's really cut the time down from an hour or two of finding out what's going on to instant it's, so it's cool to see. It was exciting being a part of it. You know, I've been following it with the WRC. So when, when the opportunity came up and uh, I was asked if I wanted to do the Life Center things, uh, it was a test of my, my typing skill and finger strength. <laughs> 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 it was, it was like 12 hours of solidly typing. Yeah. With all that being said, too, I mean, the weather, it was raining basically constantly the entire mm -hmm. weekend. You know, I don't think uh, my clothes dried out the entire time. I hung my shoes up every night, and it was soaked putting them back on in the morning. See, so. I, I got the cushy job there. Yeah. You, know, you, guys were, you guys were running out doing interviews, and I, I had a, a thing of water and a box of milk duds with me at some point. So it was fantastic. So speaking of logistics and the rally safe stuff here, uh, we did have Xander out there doing some... Uh, merchandising or merchandise sales. Tell us a little bit about that, Xander. Yeah, so we had our Dirtfish tent set up um, first at Park Exposé on Saturday, and then we moved over to Service, which is where we were all day Saturday and majority of Sunday. Um, brought out some different items we had, some new t-shirt designs, um, and everything seemed to be a really big hit with everybody. We ran out of some items very, very quickly, which is a great problem to have, at least for us. Uh, but it was a lot of fun just getting to see so many fans out there and a lot of Dirtfish supporters, which was really, really cool. So I heard from probably 10 to 15 different people, some of whom I'd met before and some of whom I hadn't, that being around the Dirtfish merch tent was like a party. They were like, it was, it's so fun. Everyone is smiling. It's such good energy. It's always, it's always a party when Xander's around. But how was it for you? You know, obviously you recognized a lot of the folks that came up to the tent, um, but there were a lot of new folks. So how did it feel representing Dirtfish, you know, getting to, getting to have that one-on-one -on -one interaction with, with some fans? It felt so good. And like you mentioned, a lot of familiar faces too. Uh, this was my first rally that I worked, so getting to see the faces from the school that I've come through was really neat being able to see them. Um, and again, just lots of new faces, a lot of people that were, you know, mentioning they're really grateful for what we do here at Dirtfish and the coverage. And it was just really nice being feet on the ground and getting to interact with everybody. Yeah. And Xander had the added challenge or benefit of working the merch tent with her fiance, Micah. Yeah, and I'd say this time around it was a bonus. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. He did all the heavy lifting for me, which yeah. was great. Um, yeah, all the tech questions that I wouldn't have answers for, sadly. So yeah, we were the dynamic duo 
uh, I just got to mention, it was pretty interesting to see. I saw you guys brought one of the school cars down, number 56. Yeah. And uh, I saw you guys pulling into Park Expose on day two. And as you guys rolled up, they tried to put you in the lineup. Were yeah. you guys thinking about hopping on some stages? Yeah, I think uh, we may have upset some people because we almost got prime parking. Um, but no, we, we quickly reminded them um, our car was way too clean for that. So. <laughs> I saw you pull up and they said, you're four, your car four. Because yeah. they thought you were a Seahorn in the lineup. So yeah. that was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, so, oops, but everything was great. <laughs> I, th I think that you, you just mentioned Jeff Seahorn there. If you haven't watched our uh, review video, firstly, why? Uh, and secondly, <laughs> go back and have a look because Jeff Seahorn is the biggest. Talladega Night. Sorry, I forgot. I haven't actually watched it. I intend to watch it very soon. Yeah. I know, I know. All right, all right, all right, all right. Leave me alone. Feeling slightly got to now. Uh, so, yeah, and he's Ricky Bobby. Is that right? Yeah. Unbelievable. So we, we interviewed him at the end of a stage and, and opened the door. His car is liveried exactly like one of the cars at the film. Opened the door and said, how was it, Ricky Bobby? And he just went into this amazing speech. So you've got to watch it. It's the funniest thing. I would like to point out when we started this podcast, Jack was still instructing in car. So we've been quite demanding of him this weekend. And uh, he literally jumped right out of the car, walked into the room. He's still covered in mud. And uh, then we're just drilling him on the weekend of what happened. So... Uh, just a little appreciation for Jack here. Oh, yeah. thank you for the kind words. But uh, rally must go on, you know. And in the same vein, you know, we we were joking a lot on this podcast, and I gave Micah a hard time. I didn't mean it at all. Um, <laughs> but the truth is that uh, the Dirtfish presence at Olympus was record breaking this year, um, and every single person, whether working or competing or uh, you know just spectating, uh, every single Dirtfish crew member made the experience one to remember. So a huge thank you to all of our Dirtfish people there. Uh, that includes you, David. Really. Can I, can, I, can I have that in writing? <laughs> I think that's, that is a good place to end. And just say, you know, a big round of applause for, for everything that we did. Woo